Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Bootstrap Web. It's Friday. It's sunny out. It's daddy daughter dance in a few hours. Ooh. Brian Castle, how are you? Doing good. You're gonna you're gonna look sharp. You're gonna you're gonna go out there with with your kid. The the theme is sequins and sneakers, which is perfect. So I, I'm gonna wear yep. a suit with sneakers, which is the ideal. Your, your sequins suit, of course. Well, the sequins will be my daughter's <laughs> more so than myself. Right. <laughs> um, and. Nice. I, have two, I think I have my mine of those like in a couple of weeks. I it's, think it's so fun. Yeah. So two of my daughters, the two younger ones, both go to this elementary school. So I got two uh-huh. of them with me tonight. One of them is not into dresses, is not into girly stuff. So she's I don't know what she's gonna do. I think she's got a sequence plan. The well, other my one, older one is is sort of in that boat, and she didn't even want to do the the dance. So I so I didn't do it with her when it when it was her year. But okay, now my okay. young my younger one is very is super into it. So okay, it, it's okay. coming. That's yeah. my younger one. Whatever is fancy, whatever's shiny, whatever's girly, that's what she's into. Unfortunately, yeah. she broke her ankle. Oh, she the, the fibula, the little the little bone on the outside of the leg, all the way down by the ankle. She busted it at a trampoline park. Uh, last week, those things are chaos. By the, the way, worst. the worst, the <laughs> worst. I hate them. God damn it! And I, I mean, a- ins- and and there's yeah, there's a few around here, and of course, like every kid in the in the class all has the birthday party there. So I'm going there like every weekend for a it's year. Special yeah. socks. Yes, we have a trampoline that we bought during the pandemic, and I did all my research. I got the safest one, the spring free, all this insane, and it's still I can barely watch. I know. I can barely <laughs> watch one kid here in town hit their head on their knee so hard he stopped breathing. Oh, and, my God. Yeah, so chaos. Anyway, back on track. She is going to be in crutches and her boot tonight. So I got I got to bring okay. my daddy A-game to this daughter. Mm-hmm. This daughter, yeah. dance, for real. Wow. All right. Oh, you you got your hands full. Yep. How about you? What do you got going on? Uh, yeah, we did a quick day of skiing last weekend. Next week, we're, doing, we're, we're taking the girls up to uh, an Airbnb in Vermont for Wednesday to Friday, so we all we're all sort of taking off work and taking off taking them out of school. Um, it's my older daughter's birthday, and we're gonna do two days in Vermont of skiing and uh, a little ski on ski off Airbnb thing. Should be should be pretty fun. Cool. This last weekend was my my birthday weekend, nice. and we were in beautiful Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Actually, lovely place. And everyone, we went up there to ski. This is my wife's idea of a sick joke uh, to go for my birthday. Uh, but because Daphne had her busted foot, she couldn't ski. So she and I hung out for my entire birthday, just the two of us. Oh, it's the best. We went, got pancakes. We had ice cream for lunch. We hung out at the big, like, great room at the ho- at the hotel. She was on her iPad watching TV. I'm on my phone and my Kindle. It was glorious. Perfect. That's great. Yep. Awesome. Well, Speaking of money, um, yeah. what are we doing here? How are we making money? That's a good question. Uh, today, I launched another website in in uh, in an effort in the in the uh, career long effort of trying to make some money here. <laughs> it's called uh, it's called instrumentalproducts.com. I it's it's like the second or third iteration of what I've been doing with this domain, um, but it's finally up there. This is, um, uh, I'm putting like a wrapper, I'm putting like a, like a landing page up into the mm-hmm. world to sort of encapsulate this consultancy that this I've service. been starting. And, and I've been like actively consulting with clients for, since the beginning of, of the year. Um, and this is, this is starting to like take a bunch of those learnings of who I've been working for and the best type of, of offering that I can put together as a consultancy and put it on a page and something to form into some kind of like value proposition. And, and so I go into it, it's, it's not super long, but it's like, um, what's the unique value that I bring as like a full stack product designer, developer with founder experience. Um, and who is this for? I kind of lay out a, a couple of like avatars of like, if, if you're, in this position, I, I think I talked about this on the last yeah, is this podcast. You? Um, you know, like uh, I, I'm right now, I'm, I'm working mo- mostly with SaaS companies who want to bring me in to like start up a new product or a big new feature in their product without disrupting their existing team mm-hmm. or, and, and like kind of 
bring me on to like kind of fire something up, take something from zero to or like from concept to launched, if you will. Um, and so I, I go into that and then I, I'm packaging up like some services, which essentially look like one, the, the main one is like doing a big product uh, project, a big product build. That's, you know, that'll, that'll be a couple of months. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's like a big project and I'll bring on like a, a developer or two to work with me and we do our thing where we ship and, um, and concept the whole thing. Uh, another one that I've been doing with some clients is like this, like, um, uh, like a planning sprint sort of thing. Um, and so I've, I've been working with some of those clients. I have a couple that I'm talking to now about booking in the next couple of weeks. And then, um, and then the rest of the year is, you know, this site is basically V1 of what this consultancy business looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and so right now I'm in this interesting position where um, it's not really theoretical because I'm already like kind of up and running with, with clients on it. Um, but I am trying to like go from go. I'm trying to take the, if the first step is like, okay, like let's experiment and get some very first paying clients. That was the first step, which I did over the last three, four months. And I, and I did different iterations. I went from like coaching into like more of a consulting model. And now it's like step two, which is like, okay, I, I've got some early contacts and I've got some early revenue in now let's, form this into what looks like a real business. <laughs> um, and that's the website. And now my, I turn to like lead pipeline, right? Like my next goal here is to move beyond like just friends and, and industry contacts who are talking to me about these kind of engagements to, I want a consistent flow of leads in the pipeline that I can book into this consultancy. Um, or at least, or, or, you know, maybe it comes to like some sort of like waiting list and, and booking things out in, into the year. But I just want to have that consistency where I'm not like kind of clawing and, and scraping for, for customers on this thing. So um, how do you think about, right? It sounds like you're, you're now starting to focus on what channel or channels are going to generate that type of opportunity yeah. pipeline. Yeah. And like the, the, the beauty of, of a consultancy really is that like, it, you don't need a super high volume of That's right. customer flows to, to make it work. But I do want, I do want a healthy flow of leads um, to, to kind of whittle down to a few really good clients, you mm -hmm. know, that, that come through that funnel. Um, the way that I'm thinking about it is I, I guess starting is, is like still just working my, my network. Um, I haven't even really fully done this in earnest other than talking about it on, on this podcast, but like, um, and, and a tweet that I put out today, but like, I plan to sort of like make a list of like all contacts that I have in the industry. So like SaaS company founders who either are, are a good fit or could refer me to others, um, people who are connected to like communities or funds or, um, or things that are in touch with lots of com companies that would fit my ideal customer. Um, like, you know, good, like referral partners. Um, the, the other one that I still think about is, are like creators who have large audiences. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I have spoken to some of them who do want to launch software products to their audience. Um, and, and I have some connections to people in that realm as well. Um, that's probably my next step. And then just the other, the other one would be getting back into like the content game of, you know, on the YouTube channel, my newsletter, um, thinking through like doing a, a, some like a, a, a series of like pillar content about how I think about products and strategies and some concepts that come up um, in my work on products and, um, you know, stuff that I can put out on LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitter and just, you know, and, and so that's kind of all I have <laughs> in terms of like th thinking through like where the pipeline comes from. I mean, beyond that, you can get into more like more, more scaled out things like cold outreach to companies and stuff like that. But I think yeah. I can, I can get pretty far along just based on the network effects. And, and again, like, you know, in a, in a good consultancy where we just need a handful of really good projects in the year to make this a good, uh, a good year one or year two, like 
don't need a high volume. I just need a, a couple of really good, really good wins in there, you know? Yeah, that does lend itself very well to showing who you are and how you think about this stuff to attract the people who want to work in that same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's uh, like, it's, it's this, um, like right now I'm talking to, to, uh, right now I'm talking to two, um, I've, I've like two, I have one proposal that's out and one that I'm talking to next week, um, for the, like a big product build. Okay. Uh, both each of them. And so you're, so you're in the market. You can get a deal signed at, at any minute. It's yeah. So, so it's that, it's this thing where, um, it's like, I am actually trying to, to build that sort of tension. I think we've talked about this a bunch, mm -hmm. um, where it's like, I want that, that good tension where it's like, I just have a bunch of leads and projects and customers. And, and then I need to figure, cause I, I feel like I know how to do the other stuff. Like okay. I have, I, I have people on, on staff and, and access to developers that I could hire to help with things. I have built out systems and processes and teams with project managers and stuff. Obviously that stuff wouldn't turn on a dime, but um, I, I also think that I'm pretty good with like time management and project management. And I can, I can take on one or two or three projects and make it work uh, while I figure out the systems and the people and the team. Um, and in the past, I have done like waitlist things. Like in the early days of, of audience ops, I, I developed an early lead flow, uh, served some good first accounts, and then put it on pause and made a waiting list and booked out more as, as I figured out the team and the processes. So it's not um, the delivery that's your primary concern. It's who's going to come in. Are they the ideal person? Is it the ideal amount? Is it the ideal scenario? Yeah. I, I think that, that the thing that most like freelancers and most like just general consultants tend to not do a good job of is like they, um, they get afraid of booking out too much work. So they stop marketing and mm -hmm. they stop yeah, the, the feast or famine problem, right? Yeah. That that's what lends itself to the feast or fam famine thing, you know, um, I'm I'm not even trying to build like a, a big high volume consultancy here. I, I want to keep it like a small like studio, just work with a couple of like really high caliber people, but um but it's still a, a better situation to have like too many leads coming yes, through and you could just absolutely on, on a waiting list, you know. Um Okay. I mean that that other that also begs the other question that's on my mind, and this one's gonna be a little bit more difficult for me, I think, is is if I if I do book uh, a couple of these big projects um, and maybe the timing of them will work out where I can sort of slot them uh, at different times in the year. But um, hopefully I have this good tension going at, at, in the next couple of months where, where I do have a bunch of good projects on the, on the plate. Um, I have developers that I can, that I, that I would bring on to work under my direction, but I think at some point the way that this, type of consultancy moves from literally just me personally um, to to working on like multiple big product projects like multiple big product projects um, simultaneously is I'm gonna need another like really good full stack designer developer to like work with me on stuff mm -hmm. like some somebody who's like a higher level than the developers that I just hire to to work under my direction, like, you know, but somebody with like design and dev skills, uh, maybe a little bit more on the, on the technical backend side than to sort of balance out my, my strengths a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know what that looks like. And, and, and that type of person is probably harder to hire. They, they come with a higher rate. They, they're probably U S or Europe based or some, something like that. And, yeah, they might um, be in a similar situation where they do this and they're doing something else and building something on on the side. Yeah, yeah, it would, it would probably look like that. Yeah, yeah. at least that's, for a while. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. So I'm very interested to see how you handle the feast famine situation. Yeah. Like, it's like you you know it's coming. You can see it directly in front of you. You you yeah. know it's on the way. It does not mean it's easy to deal with. So I, yeah. I think we'll, we'll all learn on on how you deal with that. And th and that's sort of like the 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 thing that's driving me right now is like, how do I get to a point where I just have confidence that every month I know that there's a, there's a pipeline coming. You can't you know? wait to get to that um, next problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. 
Um, okay, well, congrats on getting it up. I saw you on Twitter talking about the logo and like having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I I think it. I think it's like um. I you know we can hop over to one of your things here, but uh, like the maybe to tease the next big thing that I have on my mind here is like moving from starting stuff up. Like, you know, this, this year has been for me has been defined by like exploring and experimenting and, and sort of like, you know, trying a bit of this, trying a bit of that V one of this didn't quite work. Let's, let's move on to V two of this idea and then landing page and researching a market and getting, you know, clawing for those very first customers and revenue. I want to move, beyond that and get to the point where I have just the business is running. This is what it is. Yeah. Then let's you just, just consistency. Let's just do the consistent work, the, yes. you know, doing the projects, doing, um, and, and doing content, you know, um, and just letting it do its thing. But, and I clarity flow is sort of on that level where it's like, we just do work on projects and it has its flow of customers coming in and I have a person on that, but, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm trying to like, like now that I have Clarity Flow running, instrumentalproducts.com is is up and launched and you know full stack founder with the YouTube like that's basically set up for me to get back into content. So I've got the properties out there now I just got to like yeah, and yeah. start and start just, just doing, doing it consistently. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Anyway, what's on your end? Okay, so so we spoke last week about pivoting about communicating with the board, about communicating with the investor base. Um, that investor update really hit everyone the right way, uh, which feels great. The feedback was really good and very positive and kind of like, it just helped to put me at ease around that tension of like, what are they going to think? Right, that, that like totally washed away from after, after last week. So... One of the things that I have been talking to the team about in relation to the pivot is the challenge that all of us have that have been at the company for a long time to reset a lot of our assumptions. I, we, we talked about this on a previous episode. What I have found uh, over the last few days this week is that while I was preaching that and that is, is correct – <laughs> to point out to everyone, I don't think I quite realized uh, how many assumptions and, and the difficulty that I had personally to do that. It, it was almost like I was coaching myself by saying that out loud. It was also the right thing to tell people because it's true. But as the days go by, I'm, I'm finding I'm limited by the set of assumptions that I'm carrying around also. And as those start to... Uh, be washed away and I actually start to overcome them, all these new ideas are starting to pop up. And I find myself uh, like super energized because right now w after the pivot, it's not like we moved from checkout to this like personalized offers marketing type of a tool. It's like we gave ourselves this new start at looking for product market fit. And that requires a, a tricky balance between not looking outwardly too much, meaning what we have right now, we have people interested. Like you, we have a contract out uh, through Signwell. Shout out to Ruben. And so that signature can come back any day, right? Come back while we're talking right now or it might be next week and that'll be our first closed deal with that like 5K upfront element. So we don't need to do anything new in order to hit our short-term goals. Like the projections that we've set out, the expectations that we've set, our internal plans, all of it. We don't need to change anything about the product and we don't need to change anything about who we're going after. So what, we can, what were some of those like uh, limiting beliefs or things that you, that, that you were kind of carrying around that that's like like your whole worldview has changed. Okay, I'll, I'll give you maybe the most extreme example. The most extreme example is industry. I have been staring at mm. e-commerce for 10 years. <clears throat> so one of those huge assumptions that I thought was basically in stone and that I didn't even have to bother challenging it was e-commerce. That's, that's where we're aimed. 
So what I'm saying right now is our current product that works on Salesforce Commerce Cloud and Magento and Commerce Tools and BigCommerce, we don't need to add any new features in order to close deals. At the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where product market fit is, is going to click. And so one of, the, one of the most basic assumptions of the industry and the type of customer that we're going after, I thought that was in stone. And all of a sudden along comes a completely different opportunity from a national scale Fortune 500 franchise that says to us, hey, we are interested because we have services being booked throughout the country, but we make a tremendous amount of our margin, of our actual revenue that ends up as, as profit from upselling and cross-selling at the point of checkout when someone books our service. We sell these products and we can mark them up because of our relationship with the customer at that point in time. And we're really interested in what you're doing around the checkout. Mm. And that is, that is uh, dangerous. Because you yeah, can't take your like, eye off the ball. It's like different, but like uh, in a way, I mean, definitely like industry-wise, it's different. It's like it's kind of sidestepping to like selling mm -hmm. the same product to different types of customers. But but in a way, it's still it's solving the same core problem. Like what you're describing here, um, without getting into like specifics, is like um, the main thing that that you're solving now with Rally is. These like post-purchase upsells and the and these like uh, you know drive additional revenue through the checkout. Yes, right? it's, and it's so almost like, like, like targeting businesses that really really care about that that additional revenue capture and like that's like core to them that that makes it like like it, it just drives the pain level up. That, yes, that's yeah. that, that's right. Right, they're focused on margin at that point in time. And those products that are much more high margin than like the it's, main. yeah, it, like it's the difference between like I don't know about the if this is a correct example in your world, but like like a clothing store who like somebody's shopping for for clothing and then they they might want to add like an accessory, but that's sort of like a nice to have thing. Whereas like a, a business where most of their revenue is driven by these like upsells in, in the shopping cart, like yes, we yeah. we see it in different in different ways in e-commerce. We see a hero product that costs $50 that they're making $5 on in margin and then selling something that goes along with it for 10 bucks that they make $8 in margin. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, different products have these different margin, this contribution margin type of approach is much more popular e-commerce. I think what you're describing is like going up one level from, from what does the product do to what does the business do? So mm -hmm. the, the product helps you add new revenue and average order value at the point of checkout in your e-commerce you know, online retailer store. But what does the business do? It helps generate new revenue from existing customers, right? That's like more general. So the reason, and I, and I don't want to go too deep into this because it's like my next topic to talk about, but the reason th this came up for me is because we are now, we are now hiring a new SDR. So we, we decided to eliminate the senior SDR position and that meant letting go of two people. And now we are looking for a more junior SDR, right? We still want to do outbound, but it didn't make sense. And there was one element, I'm having a bunch of conversations, right? We're interviewing people. We're also talking to outsourced uh, vendors mm -hmm. to just see what's out there and learn more. In my conversation with an outsourced SDR vendor, he said something, the founder came on, we had a few calls with them and then they kind of brought me in and, and the CEO was like, I want to join, you know, this sounds like a good opportunity for us. So in, in his explanation of his journey, like how did he end up running an SDR vendor? He talked about the previous company that he ran the SDR program for and it got to 70 SDRs. And he was talking about the things that went right and the things that went wrong and how his new outsourced SDR company is trying to learn from that experience. The thing that struck me is 70 SDRs. <laughs> yeah. Because what kind of volume do you have to <laughs> It's Okay, volume is one question, but but the the question adjacent to volume is how big is your goddamn market that right. you can have 70 people full-time banging the phones and email 
Yeah. I want that. I want that. Right. That's that's what, yes, yes. Wait, so, so he was giving you the example of of his previous business where he was using that to sell something else, not sell the SDR. Th- correct. Service. They they were selling. I think it was software or service or something. I mean, it okay. doesn't even really really matter. But it stuck with me as I'm thinking through these assumptions and through these industry things. And it, you know, the, these, you, you kind of go about your day and you get these little tidbits of information that you kind of like are synthesizing, right? You're, you're, you're walking away from your desk and you're going to yeah. do dinner and you're washing dishes. And these things are just like synthesizing, like swirling around to give you these new ideas and insights based on all these things that you're pulling in during the day into your brain. I think that there, this is, uh, this is still an underappreciated success factor and from what i can tell from, from where i sit in terms of like one business compared to all other businesses and i hate these sort of generalizations but this is just one that i keep okay. seeing year after year all the time is high demand high high volume high demand like businesses versus yeah. like existing versus markets. ones that that like sell and have a lot of like consistent customers but like there's just not enough people in the world to make it to 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 fill 70 seats with SDRs yes you know and um, there are there are not enough online retailers to have 70 SDRs and and something about that truth made me uncomfortable i didn't i don't like that factor yeah that that there is never a big enough market with enough i, I just feel like again i feel like like that. there is all this, all, all this like advice around our circles around like getting to product market fit. I I feel like it um it doesn't do that question justice enough. I I think I really think that like a huge huge success factor in most businesses is like choosing the initial market and the initial mm-hmm. customer really really well before you get to anything else. You know. Yeah, it, it's tough once you're already in business and then you're on the hunt for it and that's you don't the thing. know that, that's whether the you're super being tough thing is because because it, it's it's, it's I, easy is definitely the wrong word but it's easy enough to build a business to a couple hundred customers of whatever you're selling you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's a lot harder to be in the right business that's just gonna have thousands upon thousands of volume every single month. Yes, you know? yes. So. Yeah, th- th- this week f- has felt like uh, an opening up of my mind a little bit as the investor communication is out of the way, as we're kind of settling into this thing. It's so funny to to have a huge sense of urgency and still need to remain patient. The, the, the product's not out. <laughs> Next week is the release where the product now works in this way that I'm describing so as a standalone you, product. <laughs> where where are you at on the on the SDR thing? Is it like um, you're you've let them go, but you're you're filling that position? Like you're looking at different options, and and how is your actual sales process changing? Okay. Maybe maybe you're going to get into this later sure. on, but like oh, yeah, well let's just jump into it now. I don't mind. Then yeah. you go. Okay, so here's my initial set of assumptions. Uh, my initial set of assumptions is we need someone more junior. We need someone with a fresh set of eyes and assumptions instead of, you know, we, we confused our SDRs. They came in, they started pushing one product, then we pivoted, then we're going this way, then it's both, then it's just one. And by the end, they had been with the company for a little while. Um, I see. So it's, it's sort of like you need junior because, because there are still going to be changes. So, we it's, had, so it's like you, you or, or whoever's in leadership is is leading this exploration into like different directions, different industries to sell to. And the junior level SDR role should be able to sort of like plug, you should be able to plug that process in and, and adapt it as you go. Whereas like you bring in the high, the, the big guns, the higher, the higher level SDRs when it's like this machine works, let's, let's blow it out. The, the, uh, that's one element of it. When I think junior instead of more senior, the real issue there was was less thinking, less strategy, less operation. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, systems. Yes, because like, that that strategy that adapting is like you and your you, your leadership team, right? Yes, 
So, so this is what we went in, and then, and then this, the assumptions around hiring in-house was, how is someone outsourced possibly going to know our product? How are they going to understand the industry? How are they going to understand our customers? We need someone with us, day-to-day, super tight with the team, loves the company, loves the product, understands what's happening, communicates, tight feedback circles, messaging, all of that. So this is the set of assumptions that I, I was walking around with. And, and half my mind still thinks that way. I went into a conversation with an outsourced SDR company, the, the one that I'm, I'm alluding to, someone that I really respect, that consultant, that go-to-market consultant that like transformed the whole company. Um, she recommended them. So she recommends them, we're open to it. Cool, because we, we know she knows her stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was very skeptical and I told Sam on our team who was leading the effort to look into it. So I got Sam, you, you have a mountain of skepticism to get over with me. Feel free to talk to them, but whatever. So he eventually says, cool, uh, Jordan, these guys are pretty impressive. Let's set up a call for you so you can kind of dig in. And I'm like, this is a waste of time. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, this is a complete waste of time. There's no way I'm doing this. It doesn't make sense to me. So your, your assumption is like going into this is that like they're, they're outsourced. So how could they possibly be in, as, as ingrained as I need them to be in, in my company? Yes. So, how are they so going to be then, married, soaked in our culture and the understanding right. of our market? All these things that in my mind matter. So I jump on a call with these guys. The founder, the CEO there was really impressive. And my approach to these things is, is not... I don't think it's the typical American approach to conversations like this. So my approach is, is more Israeli than, than not. I come into that conversation, everyone does their intros, and I go, here is my skepticism, like directly head on. <laughs> like, this is what you need to address in order for me to have any, yeah. okay. So I gave it to them completely directly and he was like, awesome. We're talking Turkey. I was just going to say like that, like doing a sales call, like you, you want that, you want that level of honesty. Like I, I just remember so many like that where it was like, I could tell they're sort of like dancing around something, but it's hard for me to pinpoint what their, what is their real question or objection. But when they're, when they're super direct like that, it makes it easy. And maybe it's, maybe it's easy to be like, okay, maybe we're not going to be a good fit for you, but like at least we know exactly where to focus on our conversation. You know? Yes, and, and why, why need to look back at the conversation and analyze and read between the lines to get the answer to the things that you're most skeptical about? So my approach is like, I don't like X. I don't think this is going to work. Here's Y. Like, just address it head on. And the things that he listed, I could not do anything other than admit that were, they were real factors. One of them is you run a remote company. That's awesome for you and your engineering team and the efficiency. Cool. You know what's miserable? Doing cold calling by yourself in a bedroom. That's mm-hmm. miserable. We have an office full of 100 people and it's gamified and they're going out to lunch together and they're asking each other what, what, what's working and what are you doing and what are you saying when someone says this objection and there's energy and they come in and they're competing and good, good luck beating that. Okay, point taken. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you doing for training? And I'm like, I don't know. I hope that they're trained from their previous job. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's honest, right? That we, we don't know how to train an SDR. We don't have that muscle. Yeah. He's like, okay, here's what we do. We do 80 hours of training. And I hear you on your other skepticism that they're not going to know the market as well. Here's the counterintuitive thing. You don't want to know the market. You don't want your SDRs to know details about the soul and emotion and dreams of your customer. Wrong. How do they get over to that? <laughs> yes. R- right. So the thing is, SDR is an engineered process. Yeah. They're, they're you, working the process. They're, they're working the process. The second you come off of the process and look into the soul of your customer, things stop working. When you come back to the process, things go better. So you as the CEO talking to the SDR, here's the thing, here's the reasoning, here's the motivation, here's how it relates to return on ad spend and that how, that how he's like total disaster. That's, that's why it's them, like a beautiful thing to sell this service, the, the SDR services, because like you're, they're selling the, basically the middle person in, in the funnel, right? Like the top of funnel, like you, you and your company and your marketing and your, you know, you're, you're in the market driving 
like getting exposure and then and then the sdr is like kind of taking that exposure and turning it into like like a process to to you know put put the appointments in the books and then and then the closer does the the closer looks into the soul and the dreams of the the prospect right but the sdr and this is where the training comes in there are one of seven different types of objections in the initial entry point of the conversation someone picks up the phone and there's one of seven varieties and each of those are have a rebuttal and you need to train your sdr to the point where they completely memorize and internalize ah i know that objection here's my line and we just don't do that we don't think that way and so it's it's a process it's 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 a process and uh you know by the end of the conversation i was like here's my problem now my problem is that i have to admit that they are going to do a far, far better job of training, hiring, motivating, and maintaining an SDR. And if I'm going to go hire in, in-house, I'm, I, have to, I have to overcome that fact that I now need to admit. And so now I'm 50-50. <laughs> it's I either could... we hire someone in-house that is a trained machine, or we admit we're not going to do a good job at this. I still have a bit of skepticism, but may- maybe there's other okay. more more to it than than what I know so far. So like, I the training piece and the process piece and, and the answering those objections, you're still figuring out this product market fit in the sales process. So all of that stuff is going to change. Like, do do they have a process for readapting the training as as you guys sidestep to from this industry to that industry to this uh, let's focus on this element in the problem solution instead of that element, because we're, this is what we're learning this month. Like, are they going to roll with those changes as you, as you learn? So that, you know, that's like a logical place to go next. And what that's what what I said was, here's the thing. We don't have it down. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly what works. And then we hand it off to you. And all of a sudden you just increase the volume of the thing that already works. And you know, what he laid out was, okay, Here's how that works. You come back to us and say, this type of lead, this type of appointment was no good, here's why. This appointment was really good, here's why. What we are hearing is X. Let's change the messaging. So the way they do it is two-week sprints. For -hmm. two weeks, they keep everything exactly the same. Then they take your feedback and they tweak one or two factors and they let it run for two more weeks and see if things got better or worse. So it's like- Pretty cool. It's, it was cool. It's like, okay, I, I, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Super interesting, man. Um, I got one more thing here. It's clarity flow, uh, customer success. Okay. Uh, this is something that I'm in the, it, this is a big project that I'm in the middle of. Uh, I just brought on a new customer success person at clarity flow. Um, I, I have not really figured this one out. Like I don't, I feel like this is a, this is a big project and hire and goal that I have not figured out in a previous business before. And I'm, and it's um, a little tricky on what the next steps are. So like the, basically the goal is having her take over most of the customer support, but mainly taking new customers who are in their trial and converting them through calls. Like, we do a lot of async, we do email, we do clarity flow. And lately I've been doing more and more calls with customers. Um, and it's, it's, a, it, it's our, pro, like we're, we're continuously improving the product to make it easier and more streamlined to use and, and shipping all the features that people ask for. We've shipped most of them. And like, now we have really good, like technical answers to all the things that coaches need when they're using clarity flow but it's still super, super uh, overwhelming for a totally new coach to even see, even them seeing my videos that I've, I've recorded a whole bunch mm-hmm. of onboarding videos. They watch those and it's, a, it's weird how like they watch those it, it, and that has raised the level of excitement and it, and it actually has improved conversions of mm-hmm. trial to paid, but it almost like raises it to a point where they feel like, uh, uh, 
even more like a higher level of frustration. It's like I saw it all on the screen when I watched the I, video, I but, but, but when I need to do it, I don't know how to do it myself. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still, yeah, so there's there's still a gap that needs to be filled there. Um, and and I can like really feel the emotion and, and hear the emotion in people's voice because they're like, they're like, I I really love what you're building with Clarity Flow. I really, I really, really want this to work. And I can see them like, like I've, I've looked at all these other tools and they don't do all the things that you guys have put together. It's perfect for what I want. And what you're showing me on the video is perfect, but, but they don't have the confidence that they're, but I can see them like, like being like frustrated and like almost like, um, not angry at, at me, not angry at my product or my company or anything. It's almost like angry in themselves. Like, why can't I figure this out? It should be easier. You know, can I and give I, you, a and I see that like analogy. again and again, you know, can I, I'll give you a weird analogy. Um, that I, immediately comes to mind as you say this. Ten years ago, remember how awesome WooThemes was? Yeah. WooThemes broke your heart because when you bought from them, you were buying this beautiful demo. Right, yeah, yeah. The, the, and the WordPress bought, theme that like falls apart when you install it, yeah. Forget falls apart. It was the ugliest blank slate you've ever seen. I could not believe right. that they didn't just set it up for you to upload onto a WordPress instance the way it looked on the demo. Mm -hmm. So that's for a, a that's a really good analogy. Literally, it's so funny. Literally today, like this morning, okay. somebody sent me an email. They're like, "Hey, do you have like a live demo version of Clarity Flow?" We actually do have one, but we it's mm -hmm. not one that like customers can log themselves into. They just see it on on our videos. Uh, okay. But but yeah, like like somebody's and I've had this question come up several times where they're like, "I want to see like an up and running." Uh, they're they're scared of the coaching business. They're yeah. scared of the of the the blank slate. The, the blank the starting slate. point. And and then and then during their trial, when they're when they're in there with a blank slate, they can click the button and see my video on how to fill this blank slate with. And, and with you're stuff. breaking their heart even more. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. And so you know what we what we really need is a consultant, like a, a customer success person to consult or to advise and work directly with. The coach and like the ones who really convert and do really well on Clarity Flow. Like at this point, I know them. I know most of them by name because they're in my inbox every single day for thirty right. days those straight are, with questions and like, yeah. how do I how do I do this? I just tested it out with this client. I ran into this bug, this and that. Like it happens every day for thirty days, and it shouldn't. A, it shouldn't be that many messages. Um, and, and B that if only I, I would make myself available for a second or third call and we can just get it, get it all knocked out and then put a process together. Like, okay, you're a coach and you do courses and community and okay, you have these needs and we know how to, we have a recipe for building that out here. Here it is. Like, that's the kind of thing that this customer success person cat will, will need to be able to do. Um, and so I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, like one, like the first thing that I had her do was create her own demo account. Um, like I have a demo account on Clarity Flow that I build out as like a fictional coaching business. And it has like all the things that a coach would typically have. Okay. Um, and I use that in my videos. I use it for testing things and stuff like that. And, and, and I, my first task for her in our first week was like, create your version of that. Like get your hands dirty with, using all of our features to build out a fictional coaching business on Clarity Flow. And she did really well with that. Um, and now she's like reviewing my calls and reviewing my my emails with customers. So she's sort of like shadowing with that. And I'm still trying to figure out, all right, I need to, I need to like bridge the gap between her just watching me take and field all these questions to like her having the confidence to like right, go, into, go into a 30 minute call with a coach and just like set them up, you know? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to answer your like question by talking about myself. No, just kidding. Please. <laughs> so, okay. We, we have a similar issue and I'll tell you the, the, my stab at it, at the solution. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how right or wrong I am. My solution is we're going to do it for them. And well, that's essentially what we need to do, but I, but I can't be the one doing it. Yes. Yeah, so, so here's the, here's the, maybe, I don't know if it's a difference or like a, an, a thing. My team thinks we're going to do it for them to get them set up and started. And then they're going to be happy. And I am starting to tell my team guys, 
we didn't do it for them forever. That's mm. the like truth. That's the service. Yeah. Yes. You know, so, it, okay, you have ahead. an advantage here that Clarity Flow doesn't quite have, but I've seen it in like like Restaurant Engine. That's exactly what we did. Was we okay. we well, what moved, advantage are you talking about? Okay. You could offer that as a as a done for you service forever. Okay. Because. Because it because. Theoretically, like you, you, you set up their checkout and you, and you, and you, and you configure it and you customize it all the ways that they need. And they, and, and you and your, like your support team can service their each account's checkout forever. Right. Right. But why do you think that I have that advantage or rally has that advantage over clarity flow? Is it a price thing? Is it an no, ongoing? No, it's the use. It's the way that it's used. So with clarity flow, yes, we, we could set up their course for them their interactive drip course for them we right. could set up their community space for them to use with their clients but they are the coach they communicate with their clients they invite their clients and they use clarity flow day to day with their clients so what when we're onboarding them not only do we have to like set set up their account and help them custom brand their clarity flow that that stuff is actually pretty easy to do and mm -hmm. we, we could do it for them what they really need help with is like Help me understand this tool. Train me on this tool. Get me comfortable with this tool so that I have a level of comfort in inviting my client every single week to this tool and using it every single day in my inbox with these clients. Like they need to use it every like they're okay. personally using it. So so they need to feel comfortable with how how all the functionality works so that when they're and they they offer support to their clients because their clients use Clarity Flow with them. Right, they're so, asking questions about it. So, so they, their client yes. is asking, like, "Hey, where did that video go? That's inside our private space. How do I access that?" Like, our customer needs oh. to be confident in okay. answering their client on how to access stuff. Okay. You know? um, from from the way you described it a little bit, I I I thought a large portion of it was on setting it up the way you want it to work. And like making it look the way you want it to work, organizing it the way you need it. The the setup stuff is actually super easy, and like customers pick that up on day one, like no problem. Like every customer maps their own domain, they they put in their custom colors, they slap their logo on it, okay. easy. Um, they watch my my videos on setting up spaces and programs and and things like that, and they might create a test one. And they test it out with their own email address, or they send it to their assistant, and they test it out with their assistant, and then they run into a hitch, or this or that doesn't doesn't work, or or they or they took the wrong route to get somewhere, and and then their their level of confidence goes down a level. They're like, "Ooh, I just ran into some confusion. If I'm confused, my clients will really be confused." So they so, have that extra layer of stress. So, of, so then they have thing. this anxiety and then and they're, then they're like, all right, let me test it again. Let me test it a third or fourth, fifth time so that I get really comfortable with it. And if they were on a call with me, I can walk through all these like common use cases that they're going to use every single day with their clients. And here, let me show you how, how you should invite a client to a private group cohort. Okay, um, so and you're gonna training. you're gonna do this first. You're gonna send them this invitation. Here's what your client is gonna see, and now they're in your cohort. Let's do that again. Let let me let, let me get you comfortable with that. You know, mm -hmm. um, and and that's the kind of like support and success that because that that's the bit you know people talk about like what's the thing that gets a customer activated? What's what's the step that every active customer eventually does? It's not just creating a course. It's not just creating your first message. For our customers, it's getting to this level of confidence mm -hmm. in in using the tool like oh i'm i'm confident like i'm confidently using this tool um and and i'm confident to to start set, inviting my, my clients to it you know? right like then i'm confident enough to run my business on yeah on like i've i've put it through its paces i've tested it all all the different angles i've, I've got it custom branded now i can launch my big new version of my coaching offers through this. Yeah. Thing, you know? Okay. So it's not, it's not as tightly analogous as I thought, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I, my response to that is it's just a different success process because yeah. of the nature. Right. Yep. So if we abstract the elements of the success process, what, what we're trying to do is insist on skin in the game upfront. 
to focus the mind. Yeah. And then admitting uh, the nature of our product is if we want incremental revenue, we want them in it tweaking and improving. And I'm trying to tell my team that ain't going to happen. Maybe it will, you know, for 20%, but the 80% is going to be us knocking on their forehead once a quarter saying, we're going to go build out new stuff for you. Mm-hmm. And here's what our suggestions are. Tell us which ones you approve and then we'll, we'll get it done. Yeah. So I, think I, that I mean, I, I love that model. It's like, so, it's like, what do they call it? Like, um, software enabled service, if you will, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. sort of like, I mean, that's essentially what happened with restaurant engine back in the day. It was, it was like, first they needed help setting up their, their and launching their website. Then they needed to change their menu every month. It was like, just send it to our team and they'll do it yes. for you. It's easy. Yes. You know? Look, why get in the way yeah. if you don't need to, but that, I do want to get into that. Um, I, th- I think I want to experiment with a paid upfront service. Yeah, we like, this and, first and we don't uh, have that yet, and that's a, that's sort of an open question because it, it's like the logical thing would would get to a point where every customer pays the fee. That right? was going to be my suggestion to look into that as your success person gets a little bit more trained. Yeah, we this this contract that's out right now through Signwell, shout out Ruben, is uh, they push back on the initial. And we could very easily have said, don't worry about the five grand, you know, just, just come in. We just, we just need this first customer. But so what we do is we do, we do 5,000 bucks plus a $2,500 implementation fee. It's almost like dangling out that implementation fee of 2,500 bucks as like, here's your opportunity to get a discount. (laughs) Just ask us to remove it. We can wave that piece. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. For you. Yeah, we'll wave it. Yes. So, so that's what, that's what we did. And then they said, can we just get rid of the 5k also? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we said no, because we think that that skin in the game is essential. I, yeah. And, and I've seen this, I saw this in restaurant that, that was the progression. And I've seen it in other SaaS where it's like, we started with totally free self-serve onboarding. Then we, then we went to, um, optional pay us to, to onboard you. And then we went to like, everyone pays it because it, because it just produces such better customers in the end. Yeah. And we're, we're starting out with 5k because it's a round number and we think our market can absorb it without any issues. It doesn't have to actually be that much money. I mean, that's the, that's the open question too. Yeah. $500 is a big deal to an individual uh, business owner that runs their, their own company. 250 bucks is a big deal anything yeah a hundred bucks is skin of the game it's it's still it and it's it's not even about the revenue it's about the commitment it's it's like i'm gonna pay this and by it's literally like the it's mindset like pay, it, you know the amazon prime like i pay for amazon prime and the effect of that is whenever i need to buy default. anything i i don't shop around i go to amazon yeah you know? um and so yeah, yeah. but like the um this is this is still in the place where it's a free trial and and then they convert hopefully. <laughs> and we don't yeah. even we don't even have credit card up front but like midway through the trial to unlock certain features they'll they'll put in their credit card. That's when they it. Yep. Um but yeah, it's still it, like so so there's still going to be some adapting of our trial process if we introduce like I, I don't I I'm still on the fence on like should I I I feel like we need to insert more um, promotions of like, Hey, just book a call with us so that we can talk you through setting up rather than just Mm -hmm. put, putting you out on your own, um, get back to talking to them and I'll do some calls. And then eventually Kat will be doing those calls. But Hmm. then it's a question of like, well, let's introduce a fee, but should we, should we make that fee optional? Should we make that required? If we make it optional, then it's like, well, what's the difference between somebody who, who pays our $500 fee to, to get our deep quote unquote, like deep done with you tra- training yeah. support versus like just doing the free trial and like sending us emails. Like we're still going to answer your questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Very interesting. I, I think you should, you should keep, keep experimenting. Yeah. If you, if you recall like card hook, people wanted to get into the product and they, and we, we wanted to talk to them. So we allowed them to come in and set up, but they couldn't launch without talking to us. So like mm. there are these different points in time in your product that will make the most sense. You could also just make sure you ask for a phone number during sign up and just call them. Just call them up. Yeah. Just call them. Hi. So you started a free trial. 
when you want to set up your call for your initial training to get set up. Yeah. Mm. I mean, right. There's so many different ways. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, it, I love it, this stuff. And it, it does, it does reduce you. the volume. Like it's, it's strategic, but it, it, to go to a, either a paid onboarding thing that's required or even, even without paid, but like requiring every person Perfect. to like, you can't get started until you book your call for next week. Mm -hmm. Um, like you're going to reduce your volume of trials, like definitely. no question. Yep. But you know that like, it, like even as I think about this right now, like I can think about like the last 10 customers who, who became like really good customers on clarity flow and just thinking about the, the amount of support and questions that they contacted with and just looking at the types of businesses that they run, like they would have had no problem whatsoever with paying a fee and getting on a call or two. Interesting. They probably would have preferred that over, over the experience that over like the, the level of pain that they went through to, to mm -hmm. get it, to get to where yeah. they became, you know? Yeah. When, uh, we've been focusing a lot on pricing and packaging and figuring it out. And we had this like hour and a half long conversation. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago that really moved things forward. So I think, I think I told you, I initially created like a, a spreadsheet and I made like a good looking table and I put in all the key inputs. I put in what's the upfront fee, what's the implementation fee, what happens if they're at certain revenue volumes, what about the percentage, what's the effective, I, I had it all. And it was almost for me to understand how this pricing model worked. And then we started showing that to customers and we were like, no one knows what we're talking about. <laughs> so I, we, then I looked back at it, I had like put it aside and the salesperson was out there sharing it with people. And then I, she came back to me, she was like, I think this is too confusing. I looked at it again and I was confused over what I had created. Right. And I realized, oh, we need to make it for public consumption. And that forced this hour and a half conversation of like ironing out all these different things. But what about this? What if they say this? Does it make sense? What happens if they come in and they process a lot of revenue? What if they don't? Yeah. Should it be a time commitment? Should be a should it be a certain amount of money? At the at the very end of that pricing conversation, we got to the question of, well, how do we how do we make this as low friction? How do we make this as no brainer as possible? And that way is all the stuff that we already have with a free trial. But that is where yeah, we're introducing like pay to trial on yeah. purpose. Yes. We're saying, okay, the ideal version of this offer, the no brainer, everyone says yes, is with a free trial. That will not be healthy for us right now. So we are purposely, explicitly putting in friction at that moment and saying no free trial, actually thousands of dollars. Yeah. I don't know if it's right, but that's where we're starting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we've got to get there uh, sooner rather than later because it, because I do get a, a lot of um, excitement even before they, they start the trial. And then also like on day one or two of the trial, there's, I'm getting like excitement in the emails and then I, and then I could see like the frustration build over, over the course of the trial, um, but they stick with it. They, they like some, like some percentage gets over those and some some bigger percentage just drifts away and like doesn't convert, you know? I um, think the classic approach to this would basically be to map out the ideal success yeah. journey. And, and the other thing about it is that like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of SaaS deal with this is like not every, we have very similar customers now, they're all coaches and there's they have a lot of commonalities, but there's still some differences. Like sometimes they do have a course and sometimes they don't, or sometimes they have like, they do more one-on-ones than groups or they do more groups than one-on-ones or, you know, uh, so I just, we can handle all those different scenarios and like just have a handful, like five or six recipes that Kat can go to like, oh, all right, tell me about your business. Okay. We've got like three of the five common use cases. Let's, let's, let's walk through how to set up those things. We've got recipes for each of them, you know? Yes. We've seen this before. How do you yeah. want to communicate? How are you going to be charging money? How do you onboard your customers? How often do you do live calls? Like yeah. what parts of the app are most important to you? Yep. Mm -hmm. Fun stuff. Look man. at us. Look at us, business people. <laughs> Just trying to figure it out, dude. Yep. Playing with Rubik's Cubes. All right, brother. Well, right. it's Friday. I'm, I'm going dancing. Enjoy that dance. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. See you, everyone. All right. Later.